Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It is good to see each and every one of you here. And if you're our guest here this morning, maybe it's your first time to NCC or you're new to church in general, I want to start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're excited that you're joining with us. We're going to take the next few moments and just open up God's Word together and allow God to speak to us from Scripture and allow Him to challenge our lives. And we're kicking off this brand new series this morning called Walk This Way. And we're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to look at these books of the Bible um, that are grouped together that are known as the major prophets and the minor prophets. And as I say that word prophet, you may get this image in your mind of an older guy with a long gray beard kind of on the side of the road, you know, holding a sign, the end of the world is coming, you know, death and gloom and that kind of thing. But actually, when we look in Scripture, we see these men of God that were spiritual leaders in their community. And they weren't just like fortune tellers. They weren't people that were just predicting the future, talking about some distant thing out there. They were actually encouraging the people of God, challenging the people of God to live a life, to walk this way in the way that God had called them, to live out their faith in a practical way. And so there are these challenging messages that we see in Scripture that we're going to look through um, as we're exploring God's Word over these next few weeks and see how God wants to challenge us in our lives um, through this message that was given. And so as we look at this now, as we talk the next few weeks, I want to start by just laying a foundation. As we go through the Bible, and as you're reading through some of these um, prophetic books, you're reading through some of the prophets, um, the language and the tone is very harsh, okay? And so you see this like over and over again. These prophets are warning the people of God. There, there's times where they're telling them, hey, you've turned away from God, and so God is turning away from you. Like, you've left God, and so death and destruction is going to come upon you. That There's going to be disaster. You're going to be taken into captivity. You see all of this kind of language, and you can read that and think, wait, I thought we were talking about a God of love here, Right? Isn't God a God of grace? Like, isn't this the God that loves us and pursues us? So why is there this kind of language? And I want to be clear, this is not a schizophrenic God, okay? He's not one way in the Old Testament, a different personality in the New Testament. That's not what we believe. That this whole thing, the whole Bible, the whole scripture is full of God's story of redemption. It's full of God's story of grace. And even in these passages where God is warning his people, hey, that's not how I've designed you to live. That's not what I've meant for your life. It's in this desire that he's calling his people back, that he's challenging his people, that they would walk in the way that he has meant for them to live. And so it's meant to be this idea of, hey, God is pursuing them. He's wanting to restore them back into a right relationship with him. And we need to understand this as we read these passages. And as you're reading through this, two things can happen. You can either feel condemnation or you can feel conviction. Okay, those are not the same thing, you guys. You can feel condemnation or you can feel conviction. The word of God is very clear that there is no condemnation 
for those that are in Christ Jesus, that we don't feel condemned whenever we are followers of Christ because of what Jesus has done for us. This is what condemnation does. You can read a passage of scripture and you can say, man, my life is just as messed up as them. And condemnation will do this. It'll drive you away from God. I'm not good enough. My life doesn't measure up. I've sinned. And so therefore, I need to distance myself from God. Conviction says this. Conviction drives you to God. Yeah, I'm broken. My life is messed up. I have mistakes. And so because of that, I need to get close to God. I need his presence to fix, to heal, to mend what is broken inside of me. Condemnation does this. It makes you feel unworthy. It tells you that you're not valuable, that because of your sin, because of your mistakes, that you don't have worth, that God doesn't love you, that you are not pleasing to God, that God has rejected you. Conviction says this, that God sees your potential. Once again, God wants to draw near to you. He has a purpose and he has a plan that he is the one who speaks your destiny and your worth. It's not just defined by what you've done in your past. It's by what God is speaking over your life. And so church, we need to understand this as we engage with this scripture, even as we engage with some of these challenging thoughts that you would not allow the enemy to bring condemnation in your life. You would not allow these even challenging words to drive you far from God, but you would allow them to bring you close to what God is doing to what God is speaking, to draw near to him in these passages of scripture. This is the heart of these prophets as they speak, that the people of God would return to God. And so we're going to look this morning in the book of Isaiah. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the seat in front of you. It may be one or two seats over, but you can open that up. I want to encourage you to do that and turn to page 358 in that Bible. You can follow along with us um, as we start to look at this book. Now, Isaiah was a great prophet, and we could preach for a couple of years, probably on some of these amazing passages where Isaiah is talking about God sending his son, Jesus coming and forgiving us of our sins, visions that Isaiah had of God, amazing things that happened um, as Isaiah was declaring the word of the Lord. But I love this passage in chapter 58. I love what um, Isaiah is challenging the people of God with. And as you look there, before we jump into the scripture, you may see this kind of section header there that says a true fast or um, a pure fast, a right fast before God. So I want to make sure that we understand what that is talking about. Because in our church, we all come from different backgrounds. And some of you guys maybe grew up in church. Others of you, you're new to church. Some of you here, you may still be exploring faith and finding out what it means to follow after Jesus, and you're brand new in this, and we want to let you know we're excited that you're here. This is a place where you can discover who Christ is and what that means for your life. But this idea of fasting that Isaiah is going to talk about, it it is this. Fasting in the biblical sense is where you would um, withhold something or you would sustain sustain from something um, that probably food. There were other things that you would kind of deny yourself. You would say no to for a set amount of time in order to draw close to God. Okay. So people that were fasting, maybe they'd fast a meal. Maybe they would fast um, a day or a few days. They, They wouldn't eat any food. And the desire was that they would once again, draw close to God. This is not a biblical diet plan. Okay. When you're getting a little heavy, you need to shed a few pounds, you fast. That's not what this is. It's not what Isaiah is talking about. But he's talking about this point in our life where we say no to other things so that we draw close to God. And when people in the Bible were fasting, the hope was that whenever their stomach would start to growl, right? It'd get around noon and they'd get hungry like some of you guys are right now. And they would start to do that, that it would be this 
physical reminder of what was going on spiritually. That God, I need to desire you just like I desire food. And just like food sustains me and it fuels me and it gives me energy, God, you are the thing that spiritually sustains my life. God, you are the thing that keeps me going. And I want you, just like right now I'm craving food, God, that's how much I want you in my life. And so this was this idea of fasting. It was not something to twist God's arm, okay? So it was not something that you were like, oh, I'm going to fast. And when I fast, when I do this, then God is going to do this. And if I do this, then God is going to show up in this way and God's going to have to do what I want him to do. I love how Edwin Cole said it. This is a quote from his book. He said, a fast is not a hunger strike. Okay, fasting submits my life to God's commands. A hunger strike makes God submit to our demands. And that's what we need to understand that when we're fasting, we're not doing that to somehow twist God's arm and make him do what I want to do, but it's resubmitting my life to the will of God, to the plans of God, saying, God, I want you. And so Isaiah is challenging the people of God with this idea of what is a true fast? What is it that God wants in those moments when we're doing that? This is what he says. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1, you can read it with me. Cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression, to the household of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not taken knowledge, knowledge of it? Behold, the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. You oppress all your workers. Behold, on the, your fast, it only leads to quarreling and to fighting. You hit one another with wicked fists. Fasting like this day will not make your voice heard on high. Is this the fast that I chose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? I want to pause right there in this passage. What is it that Isaiah is saying? He's looking at the people of God and he's challenging them with this idea. Hey, you look on the outside. He's like, I look on what it is that your life looks like. And I see that, but is that what God really wants? Is there something deeper there going on? He's like, everything looks good on the outside. It looks like you delight in the Lord. You show up for church on Sunday. You do all of the right things. You have what looks like a great life from the outside. But I want to know if there's any content or substance there. And when we're challenged to walk this way, we need to understand that it's, it's content, not just the cover of your life, but it's that content. Is there substance there for what is going on? And that's what Isaiah is declaring. He say, hey, tell my people, tell the people of God that there's transgression in their life. There's sin, not because of what it looks like on the outside, but because there's no depth in their walk with Christ. And so it looks like they delight in me. It looks like everything is good on the outside. But what's really going on, there's something missing deep inside of them. They're not living like I want them to live. It's all a show with them. I was thinking about this. And um, like most of you guys, this is just an honesty confession moment, okay? Uh, I started off the year with some New Year's goals, okay? So Sarah, my wife, and I, we sat down and we said, hey, we want to get healthy this year. Um, we want to do better at that. And so what Sarah did is she downloaded an app on her iPhone that's helping her kind of track her activity. But that's not what I do, you guys. I thought, man, I'm really going to commit to this. And so um, I drove over to Terrell, 
I went to the Nike outlet and I got this brand new pair of shoes right here, okay? These Nike Freeze, because I thought, man, I need some good shoes, you guys, if I'm going to run. And I started to do that, and then I went to the gym, and I noticed, you know what? All the guys at the gym, they have a cool gym bag. And I had like a plastic Walmart bag. That's what I was carrying my clothes in. And so I thought, I need something better. So I went on Amazon, and I bought this amazing gym bag, right? But then I thought, what if I can't make it to the gym, and it gets cold outside? And so I, I needed these thermal kind of hoodies, um, this kind of thing, you know, just to kind of keep me warm. And I had some thermal pants. And so I'm all set, you guys. I'm all set for what I need to do. But the sad truth is, is um, if you get on the Nike training app on my phone, you're going to see zero miles logged for this month, okay? Now, I looked apart, you guys. I have the thermal running pants, and I have the thermal hoodie, and I've got the Nike Freeze, and I've got the gym bag. I have all of this. I put this. I get this together in the morning. Many times, I put it in the back seat. If you look in the back seat of my car, it looks like I'm an athlete, you guys. It looks all good from the outside. It's not too good on the inside, you guys. And this is how so many times we live our life. We live in this way, you guys, that we come to church and we put on a front like everything's okay. And so many times in our life, we even try to act like, God, that, that we love you. And what Isaiah is challenging the people with is it's not just about the cover. It's about the content. What's going on deep inside of you? It's not about being able to put on a face and smile and act like everything's okay. What he's saying is, is there substance to your relationship with God? When you challenge to walk this way, are you truly living out what God is calling you to do? And the people are saying, well, God, we fast, right? Like, God, we're doing the spiritual things. We're doing the religious things. God, we're showing up, Lord. We're doing those things. And he said, is that really what I want just for you to deny yourself food? But then it ends in you oppressing other people. It ends in fights and quarrels. It, it ends in struggles in your life. That's, that's what I'm desiring of you. And he's saying, no, walk this way. It's, it's not just the cover. It's the content of your life. Is there substance there? And we can fall into this same mistake. We can have the same issues that the people of God have had for years. God, if I do this, then you will do this. God, we have fasted, so then you're going to make everything go right in our life, right, God? And we do that. Our language may be different, but God, if I show up at church, right, and I come here every Sunday, then I should get that promotion in my workplace. God, if I put a few dollars in the offering, then, Lord, the broken relationships in my life, all of those things should come together, and everything should work out perfect. God, I'm doing the stuff, so why aren't you showing up, God? Why aren't you blessing me more? Why don't I have more stuff? Why isn't my life more easy? See, we have this kind of attitude, and God is saying, it's not about the cover. That's not the kind of fast that I chose for you. It's about the content of your life. Is there depth there? Are you truly walking this out? And that's the words of Isaiah, walk this way, that challenge that he has to the people of God. We continue on. Isaiah chapter 58, starting back up at verse 6 and verse 7, this is what it says. God says, is not this the fast that I chose for you? He's giving him a picture. This is what I want from you. It's this, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, excuse me, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? 
What is he saying there? This is the true fast that I chose for you. It's not just to deny yourself a little bit of food. It's not just to put on a show and make everyone else around you think that you're doing good. He's saying, what's the content of your heart? Are you walking this way? The true fast is to do this. It's to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke. It was a symbol of oppression. It was this thing in ancient times where they would put on the oxen and they would plow. And God's saying, I want those things broken. I don't want my people in bondage anymore, people that you see around you. You need to be the person that stands up for injustice. Church, are we doing that? I mean, I know we come here on Sunday mornings. I know we lift our hands whenever we sing the songs and we clap at the right moments, but are we doing what God is really challenging us to? Are we walking this way to loose the bonds of injustice? Now, maybe you're saying, Aaron, I I look around and there's not slaves in our world today, right? There's not slaves anymore. Like we've gone past that, but that's not true. When the UN says that there's over 40 million people still enslaved to this day. Young boys, young girls that are being trafficked in the sex slave industry. And God is saying, it's not enough for you to show up on Sunday mornings. I've called you as my people to loose the bonds of injustice. When the UN says it's over a $37 billion a year industry, the trading of people, the trafficking of slaves still in our world today. God's saying it's not enough just for you to sing those songs. I've called you to break the bonds of injustice that you see in the world around you. As long as there's still anyone in this nation that is treated unfairly because of the color of their skin or because of where they came from, because of their background or their economic status, you know what, church? That's injustice, and we as the church of Christ are called to stand up against that. That's what God is saying is you want to know what a true fast is? You want to know what true religion is? You want to know what I'm calling you to? To walk this way, it's to loose the bonds of injustice that you see around you. But let me give you a different picture because it may look different for us where we are at. I'm going to need a volunteer. Hector, can you help me out? He didn't know I was going to ask him to do this. Come up here on stage. Okay. And I know a little bit about you, but everyone else doesn't know you. So where do you work at? Baylor. Baylor? Okay. Do you guys have slaves there? I don't think so. You don't think so? Some of the employees may feel like that, okay. But, um, but here's what typically happens. It probably doesn't look exactly the same as what Isaiah is talking about, but here's what happens with people at your work, students with people that sit in that classroom with you, is we are in a different type of slavery, And we have this going on in our life. We're grabbing for things in our life. So go ahead and grab that, right? Um, Put both your hands out there, right? So we grab hold of things, and, and as we grab them, they take hold of us. Like we thought we had them. We were seeking after pleasure, like Isaiah's talking about. We were trying to grab hold of that, but it actually takes hold of us. And as it does that, it starts to wrap itself around us. And you don't you don't see this, it's not physical chains, it's not something like that, but that coworker that shares that office or shares that space next to you, you know what? They're addicted to pornography. And that person in your workplace, that person that you're around, they're addicted to prescription drugs. And there are things that have a hold of them. There are things that have their life. And you know what? They not only affect a small part of their life, but they begin to affect every area of their life. 
in that affair, that thing that they thought was hidden years ago, it's still got them. It's still taking over. The anger issues, all of those things in their life, it's still got them. And it's wrapping them up. And and everything looks fine on the outside, but they are a slave to the sin that is there in their life. And you know what we do so many times? We think, man, we, we should do something right. Should make an impact, have an effect on their life. Let me, let me wrap you up down here, okay? I got them all tied up here, you guys. And this is what we do sometimes. Is we know people are enslaved. And we think, man, they should be more like us, right? Like they should just give their life to God. And why don't you worship? Just go ahead and lift your hands. Right? Man, if they would just get their life right, like, and, and God would do that inside of them, why, they should just come to church with, with us. Man, you should just like walk like God wants you to. Why don't you start walking like God wants you to? You see how difficult that is? Don't trip and fall, okay? And that's many times how we live. So we're expecting those things from them, but they're tied up in sin and slavery, you guys. And God is looking at us and he's saying, you know what? It's not enough just that you show up on Sunday mornings and that you do those things. I'm calling you. I'm calling you in your workplace. Students, I'm calling you in your classroom to see that. And if you want to know what true religion is and you want to know what a true fast is, then you begin to loose the bonds of injustice to people that you see all around you. You begin to share the hope of the gospel of Christ. It's not about changing their behavior. Okay, it's not about them just being a good person. It's about bringing the freedom and the love that Christ wants to bring to their life. That's what you're sharing with them. And that's what Isaiah is challenging them with. Hey, it may not be physical slavery that's going on in their life, but I'm calling you as the people of God to loose the bonds of injustice. Can we give Hector a hand? Thank you so much. Church, that's what God is calling us to. Not just about showing up on a Sunday morning, marking off some spiritual checklist. He's saying, this is what I'm challenging you with. Walk this way. Walk in the way that I have called you to. He goes on. You know what? It's to bring people in your home to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked. And you start to look around at what's going on in our world. We don't even have to look that far. We can look in our own area when it talks about providing a house for those that are homeless when we have over 1,000 students in MISD. These are high school students. These are young kids. These are families that are staying in a motel. They're moving from motel room to motel room because they don't have a permanent place. This is a high school student sleeping on a couch. These are kids that are sometimes staying in a car because they don't have a home. God's saying, you want to know what a true fast is? You want to know what I'm calling you to? It's to provide a home for them. Don't sit there in the comfort of your house and say, God, I guess this is it. This is all I'm required to do. No, he's saying I'm challenging you to make a difference, to make an impact. When we look at the foster care numbers right here in the state of Texas, here in the Dallas area around Mesquite, over 1,100 kids waiting in foster care, over 15,000 in our state waiting for adoption. God says you're just going to show up on a Sunday morning and that's it? That's okay? Like, do you think that's what I'm calling you to? No, he's challenging them. I'm asking you to provide this. And church, we don't get a spiritual pass on this. Okay? 
We don't get to get to heaven and say, God, I didn't think that was for me. Like there were other parts, right? There were blessing parts and there were encouraging scriptures, God. And that's what I thought the Bible was. And God's going to say, no, you think that's the fast that I wanted? That's what I wanted for my relationship with you was just to sit there on a Sunday morning. He's saying, no, I've called you to break injustice in the world around you. I've called you to meet people at their point of need. I've called you to find people in spiritual slavery and bring freedom to their life that they can't experience on their own. This is what I'm calling my people to. This is what I'm asking of my people to walk this way and to break the injustice that they see around them. And we can look and we can think, man, I don't know what to do. Those numbers seem so astounding. What do I do? Where do I start? And I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 31. When a lawyer was talking to Jesus and he felt that same way and he's like, come on, come on, Jesus, who's my neighbor? Like there's so much going on. Who am I really required to take care of? Who is my neighbor? Who is it that I'm really supposed to reach out to? And Jesus told him the story. You may be familiar with it of a Jewish man walking down the road to Jericho. He's beaten. He's robbed. Two other men walk by, two religious people, a Levite and a priest. They walk on the other side of the road. They ignore this man hurting. And a Samaritan, someone that the Jewish people hated, a total stranger walks by, takes time, bandages up his wounds, puts him on his donkey, takes him to a hotel, pays his bill. It says, if he charges anything above this, I'll be back in a few days. I'll take care of it. Put it on my account. Jesus looks at that lawyer that says, come on, Jesus, who do I really have to reach out to? He says, who was the neighbor to this man who showed kindness? Guy said, the person that stopped, Jesus said, yeah, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. Church, who are we called to reach out to? Isaiah says it, stop ignoring, stop closing your eyes. Stop ignoring your own flesh, the people that are all around you, the people that you drive by, the people that you pass by, all of those things that you know what's going on in the world around you. He's saying, if you want to know what a true fast is, if you want to know what it is that I'm calling you to, it's this, it's that you would break the bonds of injustice, that you would meet people at their point of need. And he closes the passage with this, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 8 and 9, he says this, then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. Jumping down to verse 12, Isaiah continues, you shall raise up foundations for many future generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. What's he saying? He's saying, if you'll walk this way, people of God, if you'll realize your transgressions and if you'll begin to really walk out your faith and live in the way that God is calling you to, it's going to make an impact. God is going to walk with you. And the difference that you're going to make, church, it's not just for that one individual. When you mentor a kid, when you invite a kid into to your home, you, you open up your house, you reach out to someone. It's not only affecting them, it's affecting future generations. He said, you're going to begin to lay a foundation. You're going to begin to change things for kids that aren't even born yet, for their kids, for their grandkids. It's going to make a difference. It's going to make an impact for future generations. You start to walk this way. God is walking with you, church. God is present with you in those times. 
Isaiah, this powerful reminder, hey, it's not just about the cover. It's not just what it looks like on the outside. It's the content of your heart. Is there substance there to your life? You're being challenged. I'm being challenged to do this, to live out our faith, to live what God is calling us to. Churches, I was thinking of this message so many times. I, I get ready to preach this message, and God begins to speak to me, and my heart is challenged. I probably get more out of this as I study the Scripture than I'm able to present here on a Sunday morning. And, and I was just really shaken with this thought of, God, I don't want to just keep on telling old stories. And I don't want the people in our church, God, when we think of this, when we think of issues of injustice, that we point to something back a few years ago. God, what are we doing right now? I don't want you to be able to say, yeah, whenever I was a teenager, um, my youth group, we went on some missions trip and I went to Haiti or I went to Jamaica or I went to somewhere else and I saw people and I gave a week of my life. But what are you doing right now? I don't want you to say, hey, I got saved, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, whatever that was. And I remember being so on fire and I was sharing my story and my life was so messed up and it got so changed that I couldn't help telling everyone, who have you shared with this week? Who this week are you loosing the bonds of injustice for? Who this week are you opening up your home to? Who this week are you speaking life and freedom to? See, I don't want us to just have old stories, church. I don't want us to just look at some point in the past. I want us to be obedient and to walk this way. This week, what God is calling us to. This week, how can you look at your life and say, God, how can you use me? It's going to look different for everyone. It's going to look different for, from you, for the person sitting next to you, from the person at your work. But each of us are called to live out our faith in this way, to impact those that are in need all around us. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would just bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room and you're here. And maybe that illustration of being tied up by things reflects your life in some way. Maybe the things that are tying you up are totally different than anything that was said, but you know that you've grabbed hold of something and now it has a hold of you. And you're here this morning and, and you want that freedom, but maybe you don't know where to start. And I'm here to tell you that God is inviting you back into a relationship with him. And you can't fix yourself on your own. You can't do it by yourself. The word of God is very clear. Each and every one of us, we are broken. We can't do enough good to cancel out the bad. But God has sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus came he paid the price for your sin and for my sin. He went to the cross so we could once again be restored back into a right relationship with God. And I just want to ask in this service if there's anyone here and you're saying, Aaron, man, there are some things that have a hold of my life, but I want a brand new start. Maybe I had a relationship with God at one point, but I have walked away from that. But this morning, I want to declare, I want, again, a fresh start in my relationship with God, and I want to begin to walk with him throughout my life. And if that's you, I want to ask you, would you be so bold to stand up right where you're at right now and to come forward? I want to take a moment and I want to pray with you. Oh, wait just one second. If God's speaking, I don't want you to miss this moment or miss this opportunity. 
Well, if there's no one here in that situation, church, I want to ask you to look at me and I want us to respond in this way. We're going to just close by praying together. This is what I want your prayer to be. I want you to simply ask God, how can I live out my faith this week? God, who around me is hurting? Who around me is maybe in some kind of bondage? God, they're in a slavery to sin, Lord. And this week, maybe I can pray for them. Maybe my words, God, can bring freedom to their life. Maybe I can walk with them and reach out to them. Who is it, God, that you're going to put in my path that has a physical need, God? And I'm not just going to drive by them this week, Lord. I'm not just going to turn my face the other direction, Lord, but I'm going to look them in the eyes and see that they're a real person, Lord. And I want to be your hands and your feet extending out to people that are hurting and broken. And so we're going to pray this together as a church that we would walk this way. And this week, God would help us to live this out, a true fast, a true relationship with God, what he's calling us to. Let's pray together, church. God, we come before you this morning. Lord, thank you for this powerful reminder, God. And Lord, this morning, God, we want to be motivated to action, Lord. God, we don't want to just hear these words and like the people of God, Lord, where it was just a nice front, it was a nice cover, Lord, a mask that they would wear. God, we want to actually put it into practice. We want to live this out. And so I pray that, God, in our classrooms, Lord, in our workplace, in our community, God, when we're driving down the street, God, this week, we want to be sensitive to your spirit and to your voice. God, use us. Use us, Lord. God, take our lives and God, help us to bring freedom, God. Help us to break the yoke of bondage, God, the yoke of sin over other people's lives, God. Help us to open up our home, God, to share our food, Lord, to do whatever it is that you're calling us to do, God. We want to walk this way and live out the message of your gospel. Do that inside of us, I pray this in your name. Amen.